the police uh, tried to stop him, and he saw the car, got out, ran, and the police shot at him, and I and took him, and then took him to jail, and that was, you know, it was like that was the end of the fun for me. I'm thinking about the good old days, now quick they slip away, but I'm gonna be fine, I'm gonna be fine, I'm gonna be alright. Slide it up and let it roll, let it burn real slow, cause we all know it's gonna be alright. I usually do an introduction, I'll go home and do an introduction, but right while we're sitting here, I want to let everybody know we're sitting with Mrs. Nkwanda Ja, uh, very good friend, mentor of mine, uh, somebody I look up to for their personality and the work they've done in the community and the effect that they've had on the community and myself. Um, so hello, Ms. Nkwanda. Good afternoon, Courtney. Yep, and this is Mrs. Nkwanda's first time on the podcast. Uh, and I'm excited to have her here. Like I said, she is a very inspirational woman with tons of positive energy and tons of information and wisdom. And the time we find ourselves in in history, I think we need that breath of fresh air. Uh, I was watching the news just before I came over, Miss Anquanda, and uh, I was seeing where they were again having peaceful protests at D.C. And I believe you were the one yesterday who told me that they had almost shut the White House down. Yeah, they uh, got pretty heated a couple uh, days ago when the protesters in Washington, D.C. actually went over to the White House uh, to confront um, the president, I guess. Uh, there was a little uh, confrontation with the security people there, a push and shove kind of thing. So, um, you know, that was... A, that was tense. I couldn't believe it. You know, it just showed that um, how frustrated uh, we are all across um, America, and this frustration is just—it's been building, and it's—it's gotten—it's um, just really gotten out of hand in a lot of places. If if you want to say out of hand, it's out of hand when you kill people can kill a person in broad daylight in front of people and not worry about it. <clears throat> you know, that's just it's too much. It's just too much. And I believe that's what really took my breath is the fact that this man had his hands in his pocket, the look on his face. It just seemed that he had no care no. in the world mm -mm. that he was going to face any opposition at that moment or even afterwards. No he consequences. Really, he any wasn't. consequences. And he really didn't until the people stood up and took a stance against his actions. And, yeah. Uh, and then this fueled the fire. Uh, they fueled the fire when they did arrest him on third degree murder. Uh, that's like attorneys are saying that they... Some of them say they haven't even ever heard of that before. So it's like a setup to let him go. They it took him a couple of days to figure out a strategy for uh, not sending him to prison for the rest of his life. And they came back with something that they could start with. And by the time it leaves court, it'll be nothing. 
So that just people are like, we'll see, there it goes again. Well, I'm definitely hoping that that is not the case because I feel like if he does not have justice dealt to him fairly, we've already seen how the people are reacting to that. So I will hope that they let the justice system work equitably and he be, you know, charged and found guilty of the crime he did. But I don't, I hope that's not just wishful thinking. I hope that's not just wishful thinking because, ugh, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But it does seem like it has, it's like, it's like all of these years of oppression have built up like a keg of dynamite. And it would appear that these last instances that have been happening really over the last 10 years that we can just see videos and have all this documentation put in our faces and on the news. And I feel like this is just that spark that ignited the dynamite or as they say the straw that broke the camel's back you know but a beautiful thing is that the young people are definitely stepping up to the plate and i i talked to trey about this yesterday um because <laughs> he was making the statement you know uh where are the elders at and i was like well the elders have done their work i think the question is where are we at you know the question is where are we at yeah because you can't keep depending on the same people to keep doing it when they put us in a situation to have better lives right now that we're living so i think we need to step up and be there for the younger people than us who are ready to stand up my personal thoughts but what are some of your thoughts on what you are seeing as a result of what has happened well uh Marches are good. I've done certainly done my share of marches, both locally, uh, Tallahassee. I've marched in Philadelphia. I've marched in Washington. I've marched in New York. I've marched, you know, uh, Mississippi. Uh, I've done a lot of marching, and I feel like I've done my share of it, and I feel like my energies can be spent better uh, or spent implementing programs or um, uh, doing things that you can see and feel and touch. Okay. Um, you know, we... I work with the kids a lot. You know, we we need more people to help us with our kids. Right here in this uh, community, we need better school board members uh, that's gonna look out for all of our children. Uh, you know, it's after you march, then what? Then uh, what? And to build on what you just said, um, for those of who those who don't know, can you please share with us um, what it is that you do because uh, I know you through your work at the Cultural Arts Coalition but to the to the world to people all over the planet who may hear this can you please tell them uh, about the Cultural Arts Coalition and the work that you do there oh, okay thank you um, the Cultural Arts Coalition is a nonprofit community-based organization that myself and a couple of other uh, women started 
uh, back in, we got incorporated in 1983. We had started our work prior to that. And uh, the Fifth Avenue Art Festival was our first uh, event. And that event wasn't so much to have a festival, but to have an event that talked about the gentrification of the Northwest Fifth Avenue Seminary Lane community. Uh, they had started, they'd, they'd started uh, boarding up our uh, neighborhood and um, selling a lot of it out. And we wanted to sound the alarm that this was happening and that we should look at it and become aware of what was happening. And that was when we had quite a few businesses in the Northwest Fifth Avenue community. Uh, that is a community that African Americans moved to, moved into when they were released from local plantations. Uh, there really was a hail plantation. The house is still out there. They had uh, uh, in, uh, enslaved individuals that they had bought and brought down to Florida. Uh, other plantations they moved uh, from into the community, and we had everything. We were a self-sustaining community, and by the time, uh, I, I'm not from Gainesville, but by the time I got to Gainesville, a lot of those businesses uh, were no longer there, but a lot of them were still there. So we wanted to say, hey, let's keep our businesses, let's look out. Uh, that year that we did the festival, we also uh, did a summer uh, cultural enrichment program uh, for kids uh, who were as young as seven and as old as 15. Uh, we used the Thomas Center basement for our classes. We had gardening as well as architecture and science and writing and uh, it was really good. That uh, So my work with the kids started then but in um, 1990, we started our Girl Power program uh, where we uh, work with girls uh, in middle school, um, helping them to, to, with that transition between middle, uh, between elementary and going into high school. Um, we uh, did that for probably about 12 years. And more recently, we started science clubs. Uh, and we started our science clubs because we um, recognized that schools in East Gainesville were not doing a real good job with our, uh, of educating our children. Um, we had failing schools, and by failing schools, I mean schools that had uh, consecutively scored a F on their state uh, exams uh, consistently. And um, I've always believed that, you know, no participation, no right to observation. I can't say, I can't tell other people that they're not doing uh, for our children if I'm not doing for them. So okay. we started our science clubs and it's for elementary kids. And uh, we started out with uh, Karen and Sharing. Um, Charter School and Rawlings uh, Elementary School. And uh, we have 
people who are in the areas of sciences all the way from astronomy to geology to physics. Uh, in fact, we even had a, a person that had a, a bus that they broke down and put physics activities on. And he came, he'd go out to the schools and to our sites uh, to, for activities. All of our science people have to have activities. There's no lecturing going on. Our kids are learning by putting their hands on things, by experiences uh, that they have, not from lecturing. They've been told all day long to sit down and be quiet in school. When they come to science club, it's get up, move around, touch, and learn. Uh, so we've been doing that, and we are up. To, we have seven science clubs. We had seven science clubs this school term before um, before it ended. So we've tried. A cultural arts coalition have tried to um, be active in the community, not just to uh, sit back and talk about what needs to be done. But we try to do things. Uh, we just raised over $12,000 since uh, in the last couple months uh, to get computers for uh, kids because um, the kids had to complete assignments because, you know, uh, school being out and they needed computers and, and they needed uh, internet. and. Uh, Equity came up again, you know, the, the poorest kids, which are our kids, didn't even have computers at home. So um, we've given computers to kids who were doing their uh, assignments on their parents' phone, which, wow, is wow. a chore. Um, so we've, we're really proud of that. Uh, we've, we've given 77 away already. We have 30 more that we've ordered. Uh, we've given to the Pace Center, which is for girls. Uh, we've given to uh, Karen and Sharon Charter School, uh, Bullware Springs Charter School, uh, Resilience, and we're about to give also, um, I'm sorry, we're going to be delivering to Pace, but we're also be, we'll be delivering to Einstein um, Charter School. So we've just we try to we try to be a part of the solution. Try to do the work. Yeah. Do the work, which is awesome, and which is which is what we need. We need people, like I was saying, especially in in my age bracket to start stepping up and contributing and helping to do that type of work because it really makes a difference. I mean, I can tell you, I'm, I'm the father of two elementary school age kids, as a lot of my listeners may know. And man, you know, it has been a life changing event just with having the kids home on top of having to school them. Um, and like you said, uh, when you bring the education home, there's resources that you need at home and not everybody has or has the finances or resources to get those things, which, you know, leaves our kids vulnerable to be left behind, you know, uh, which is, which yeah. is scary. I'm, uh, I was just talking to one of my younger friends who's, um, uh, who is, a. Uh, who was teaching at Lake Forest this past year. He's uh, about to get his Ph.D. from Stanford. 
and he's been in his his uh, areas education. So I was, I was asking him, what did he think the effect would be with students who were already, you know, average in C's and D's, and they're out of school now without a teacher. They're given packets uh, to complete assignments to complete without a teacher. How how does he think those kids would fare? And you know, I just logically thinking about it, I I didn't think that. I didn't think that they would do really well, but his opinion, it was the same. No, it's going to be worse. Uh, so the kids are losing out so badly, uh, especially the ones who was not doing very good anyway. So this is really affecting them. Many of our parents, the same school system uh, that's educating the kids now is the same school system that educated their parents or did not educate their parents. So we've got kids that, uh, who have parents that can't help them to, to do uh, the assignments that's needed to be done. In fact, I've had uh, friends who are college graduates who say that, you know, they're teenagers, they, it's very little they can help with their teenagers doing their, um, with their academic, um, assignments. So if college graduates are having a hard time, then someone who came through this school system where 30% of African Americans are on grade level with reading and math, it's just, it's not a good position for our kids to be in. It's just putting them further behind. And mm. to not have the resources, not have a computer to even do the assignments? Wow. That does well and I and that and I think the key with what you're doing with getting the laptops to the most vulnerable people who need them is is key and it's a blessing. It is truly a blessing because we, you know, have to work together to make sure those people don't get left behind or at least have the resources to try to keep up until they can get this school situation figured out. I was in a town hall meeting, uh, maybe it was Wednesday or Thursday with the school board and they were asking different questions for Alachua County School Board. And it would appear that they don't really know what they're going to do yet is the answer. I That's what I overall came out with. They have some theories and strategies. And I, when what I'm talking about is so far as school opening up in the fall, they have some theories and strategies. But with the uncertainty of what the state of the nation will be due to the, you know, virus, uh, it seems like it's all up in the air. You know, so the question will be, will they be back in the classrooms? Will they still be at home? Will it be a hybrid? Uh, it would almost seem that maybe some of the most vulnerable kids should go to school so they can physically get that help and get that tutoring and that extra assistance from the teachers and people that are present. And maybe some of the kids who don't need that can continue to work from home so that they can still keep that social distancing up. But uh, yeah. it doesn't seem like they've made a clear-cut uh, decision. Yeah, because you know, I, uh, I was, uh, I, I also um, volunteer 
in the schools from time to time, and I, I coordinate with organizations and individuals also to adopt classrooms uh, that they can get in there and and help our our um, teachers with resources that they don't have. But I, like I said, I've gone out to uh, volunteer, and I remember last school term I was in a second grade classroom, and there was a teacher in, in the, there was one teacher and maybe 10, 11 kids. And it took all that one teacher could do to get those kids to, to, to sit when they were supposed to be sitting down. She was, you know, rewarding them with, um, with candy, which I didn't think was cool with the sugar in it, you know. It was kind of working against the yeah, goal. <laughs> yeah, but so it took all she could do to get them uh, to do what they were supposed to do. I mean, you know, how is one teacher supposed to be able to keep kids socially distanced that's that young? When they're older, you can kind of, you know, what well, you heard, you know you're supposed to do this, da-da-da. But little kids, how are they going to do that? Yeah, and I mean, and even with adults, I was marching yesterday and protesting, and, you know, sometimes we were closer than six feet and we're adults. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to, no, uh me and a friend was talking about, uh, I remember when we had the foster grandparents in the classrooms. I haven't seen them uh, in the last couple of years. I don't know if this program is still around. But these were elders who would come into the classrooms and spend a couple of hours in there. The kids need something. These teachers are going to need some help in those classrooms, some foster grandparents some something they're gonna they're not they're not going to be able to do to have those kids practicing social distancing by, by themselves. themselves that's just that's not reasonable uh that that's just that's just one more th impossibility that they're giving teachers come on now well i have a quick question if a person was interested in doing this and and I mean, this probably applies for any school district, but I'm talking specifically about in East Gainesville. If there was a parent or a elder or a person who just had the time and said, hey, if there are kids in the classroom in the fall, I want to just donate any little bit of my time that I can to come in and read to them or sit in there with the lunchroom with them or just be in class to help. How would a person go about doing that? Uh, I'm work my I've really concentrated on uh, getting volunteers for Lake Forest. Um, I am. I also serve on uh, school advisory committee for Lake Forest. I've been on that one for three years. I was on Williams Elementary School prior to that, so I did volunteer work at. Um, I volunteered as much as I could over there. So now I'm at Lake Forest, and I'm asking people to uh, adopt a classroom where you go you get to know that teacher and let the teacher know um let the teacher know that you're there to help them in any way that you can all the way from volunteering to getting kids uh getting paper crayons uh 
they so, the teachers get a certain amount of money. I think it's like two hundred, two hundred and fifty dollars for their whole school year. Um, kind of light. So our volunteers uh, get other supplies over there to them. Uh, teachers are paid so little. I also try to get people to donate gift certificates to teachers, you know, just to say thank you and yeah, maybe a, a movie, uh, um, tickets to the movies or, you know, a, a certificate to a restaurant, just something to, to, for them to feel good about. I think that teachers are, are our greatest heroes uh, and especially the ones who are working in schools that lack resources like East Gainesville. It's not, you don't have uh, not even one school in East Gainesville that you could say is a nice school where, where teachers can just like relax, you know. Uh, I remember years back when before uh, Duval uh, became Early Learning Center, uh, they, uh, they had volunteers to come and read to kids and they would have to go in what would what would equal out to a closet to read to the kids, and 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 then I had a wow. uh, friend over at uh, volunteering at Kanapaha, who did she said that they had a reading castle over there, you know. So um, and and to add to that, I when I first moved to Gainesville, worked EDEP at Rawlings. And our supply cabinet was like a closet with maybe a couple of cabinets in it with like your regular crayons and stuff and a few balls. And we went to play soccer because they started like competitive soccer. So we went over to, what was it? Not Childs, but off of 75th Wiles, Wiles Elementary. Mm, yeah, we went over to Wiles and they had like a whole area dedicated to edp and all this stuff and and it was so crazy it was we were coming in there and we're just like whoa even the the councils is just amazed by what they had i was like and they got us over there dealing with like old crayons and you know pulling together like yes. last little bit of reams of white paper yes. and making stuff and yes. Yes. you know and i'm like these yes. people here got like purchased <laughs> stuff that's like for stuff and they're like yeah and you know but it yes. that kind of opened my eyes to the 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 differences but i guess my next question for you since you have been on the front lines for so long is why do you feel that is um because we don't make uh because we don't make our school board be responsible and we don't have a school we don't well, we don't make our, our the, the, the administration, we don't make them be responsible for us. They could tell us any little thing and they expect us to just take it and go sit down. And then we don't have a school board elected officials who are made to uh, be responsible for that. They're, they're the bosses of the school administrators. But so far, they've just allowed the administration to do whatever it wanted to do to uh, to make all kinds of acts of inequality uh, and inequity, and it's nothing has happened. Um, 
this once again goes back to the, um, okay, we marched yesterday, but we have to vote tomorrow. Uh, we have uh, three school board members uh, up there that have not been supportive of our schools in East Gainesville. We've got two. We now we we only had one person up there talking about our schools, which was Leonetta McNeely. But now we have two, but we need three. Okay. So we need to be it, it with one more vote. They can make administration do right by our community. So we have to vote. We have to vote Diane McGraw. We have to vote re-elect uh, Leonetta McNeely. That's three votes. Three votes. They couldn't have spent all of those millions of dollars on land that they paid three, four times what it was actually worth. They're not going to even build a school for... 10 years and they're going to build it another big beautiful shiny school in West Gainesville so we got to quit doing that we got to quit letting them do that to us we're their adults if we can't go out and teach our children ourselves we need to make sure that, that our children have the best teachers possible you know what they did to our last superintendent should not have been able to happen but they they got rid of him because he was talking about improving our schools in east gainesville he brought data with him he wasn't just a little he wasn't just somebody who felt like things were not right this this was a man who went on data who could show you and what did we do nothing what are we doing now well, uh, not much. I hope that this whole situation has made us understand that we got it, that we're one village here, Gainesville. And when one part of it's not doing good, then we're all not doing good. And that's the truth. And one thing I can say is that just the bit of pulse of the community pulse of the community energy that I've been able to feel and and get a, a ear to I feel like the ground is very fertile for these ideas to be introduced because people are really ready to do something the energy is in us and right now is being manifested in protesting but I mean, it's my hope and prayer that that same energy can get shifted in the things that you are talking about. Uh, we all are part of social media groups. I'm not going to say the name of this one because it's kind of underground. But this particular one that I'm a member of that deals with Gainesville and uh, particularly East Gainesville and that demographic, there's a lot of energy towards keeping the dollar in our community longer supporting businesses that support the community and things like that. So I really do feel that the time is right now to start introducing. That's why I'm glad we're recording this and we can put it out to the people uh, to hear, hey, guys, this is what we need to do to accomplish some of these goals that we want to accomplish and to erase some of these inequalities that we see. 
because I really do believe we have the numbers, the power, the intelligence and the skills to do it. We just need to put all that together with organization. And, and I have a question for you. Do you think it would be beneficial for people, let's say, of my age bracket to start studying some of the techniques and philosophies of the Black Panthers and SNCC and the Southern Leadership Conference? Because I don't know, but it would almost seem like those organizations and how they organized and went about doing business affected change. Well, Courtney, on the, on the, the business part of it. On the business part. Uh, I have been hearing uh, really good conversations about businesses in East Gainesville for blacks and uh, creating them and supporting them. And that is so good. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even make any sense. We're the only community where we don't keep money in our community, not even one round. Uh, some communities, you know, they, they their money go around their community four or five times before it leaves out. Ours, we don't even bring it in in the first place. Uh, businesses that are in our communities, we, we are spending, but those aren't our businesses. Correct. We've had businesses over the years, and you as, as, a, as a businessman, you can speak to this too. Having a business is more than just having a business. You, there's there's uh, accounting, bookkeeping skills that you need. There's um, you know there's there's just things you need to be aware of as a business person. You know, customer service. You know, uh, and, and not that. Um, I mean, we talk all the time about the Asians in our community who uh, they don't treat us nice, but we keep going back to them. But it's like we require more from each other. So, and, and we require uh, more from many businesses. If they don't treat us right, then we don't go there. Uh, with the Asians, I think they're just so convenient in our community that they get a lot of our money but we need there's there's like classes or something we need to have uh so that we we know what is required of a of a successful business because i've heard uh, i've heard people say well i had a business and they wouldn't even support me well you know they didn't have to i remember there was a restaurant a black restaurant and uh I try, you know, I try to support my businesses even when they don't have the best of uh, customer service. But I took a friend to the restaurant because I, I like to show people where our, our businesses are so they can come back without me and spend money. Okay. And uh, the the guy came over to take our order and he never smiled. He had a bad attitude. Uh, my friend asked him what was good on the menu. He said, all of it's good. Just pick something. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Come on now. <laughs> Got to do a little better than and that. And my friend kind of like just sat back in the chair and looked at it. And then I said, you know, what well, I usually get that it up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing it for. <laughs> I couldn't believe he'd done that. You know, so, I mean, we have to have, we got to know what works and be willing uh, to do it. I was uh, fortunate. His little brother had a, a hair 
care store down the street here. He had been selling things out of the back of his car, but he got an he got an opportunity to get a, a, a actual building for it, and um, it was really nice. He great personality. He had a second job to support his business, you know. But I think that he was just not in a good location. You location know, is key. Location has a lot to do with it. You know, you get a business and then you say nobody comes to it. And then they're like, well, but where are you? You know, or uh, it was no parking. That, uh, uh, this had great parking. But, you know, we got to pick places that are visible, has as much high visibility as possible. As possible. And then we have to make it, because I was in the particular social media group today, and that was one of the discussions. We have to patronize these businesses on purpose, even if we have to go out of our way a little bit. I know um, Eastside Pizza Cafe, man, they was doing their thing. I would make it my business to get my pizza because I eat pizza once a week, Friday or something. But Eastside Pizza Cafe and the food was great. Um, so I don't know what went down and why they closed, but they were great and to anybody in east gainesville where they used to be at it's a soul food place there and i heard it's amazing um in the in the food line food line plaza yes it's yes. a soul food place there and a uh, guy at work told me it's banging oh good banging. so the pizza place is gone the pizza place is gone oh. and they was awesome well yeah but they didn't have they you know if you didn't if you lived over there, you knew that that was there. But if you didn't... Yeah, and then they don't deliver, too. So that's kind of like a, you mm. kind of got to be able to get out there and live. Because that's far out, you know, depending on where you're at. Um, but here's another thing to add on to that business portion. Is that... And maybe there will be something we have to incorporate into Fifth Avenue Arts Festival, which we're going to talk about also. Um, is classes on just how to do it. I know I kind of figured it out myself. But I can, I've helped people start businesses um, over social media. I've literally been in Facebook Messenger telling people why they're filling out the application and, and, and just help of all ethnicities also. So, uh, you know, if y'all, you can hit me up. If anybody listens to this, you'll, you can send me an email, any questions on how to start an LLC, get a fictitious name, tax ID, state ID. It's real easy in Florida. Uh, we can do that because a lot of us have skills and with the cottage industry law, a lot of things that we do, we can get an LLC. After two years, you can get a business credit card, which means you can take out debt in the business's name, not your name. OK, and that's how we can grow these businesses. But I think a lot of these strategies are unknown to us. And that's why we got to talk. Um, because even myself, I uh, have Rastafari shaved ice. I started out on a, uh, a utility trailer with a tent over it, sweating in the sun, getting rained on. But I told myself in two years, I know I'll be able to take out credit as an LLC. Two years has passed. We have a nice trailer with AC. We're trying to make our grand opening in Juneteenth. Um, but I would love to share my little strategy with anybody because it worked so far. It worked so far. And if we can continue to do that, a matter of fact, somebody was saying we need to get a convenience store. And I was like, well, hey, I don't have a convenience store, but I'll put whatever products I can legally vend that are at convenience stores, such as potato chips or and it's just stuff like that, you know, that people are selling to us every day that we can sell to ourselves. Yes, yes. 
Santa Fe has uh, an entrepreneurial program. I, I don't think they call it that. I can't remember what they call it, but they run it out of their seed building downtown, okay, and they yes. have resources in there that uh, that small businesses or people who are just getting started uh, can use. Uh, University of Florida uh, a couple years ago did a program. Um, it's like six weeks program. Gator Business with, Boot Camp. Yes, Gator Boot Camp. Which is which is how we. Long story, but that's how we actually physically connected because we had a spiritual connection before that yes. already. Yes. But yes. our physical connection came through. Uh, me just calling and saying I wanted to vend at the Fifth Avenue Arts Festival. We had a phone conversation, and you told me about the Gator Business Boot Camp that summer of 2017. Yes. And yes. I think that's the first time we actually met each other was in that seminar. Yes, yes. And that the kinds of uh, things that they were talking about are the kinds of things that we need to know uh, before we get, get into our businesses so that we can be more successful in them and, and we won't just be in business one day and three months down the line, we're out, you know, uh, let's have some sustaining businesses. Uh, I think that we can do it if we really believe in each other, in our community, and in the future for our kids. And these businesses that we start should be businesses that our children, uh, that we have for our children when they're adults, leaving them something. We don't... Generational wealth. Yeah. Yeah. generational wealth yes and that that is something that i am definitely striving to try to put together myself but i also want to touch i want to rewind right back to the fifth avenue arts festival because i hope a lot of people in gainesville and in east gainesville will listen to this podcast because the time is now hopefully we'll be able to have a traditional style festival in 2021 and for the last two to three years, uh, I have been assisting Miss Anquanda with organizing and putting on the festival. And the festival was begin in 1969, am I correct? Uh, no, seven, uh, 1979. 79, okay. Which is 41 years to date. And I myself would love to see more participation and patronage of the festival by the East Gainesville community. I feel like it's one of the last big events in Gainesville that is for us by us. And I'm uh, I'm just curious as into where's everybody at? You know, we have food trucks. I'm reaching out to food trucks. I'm not really getting the enthusiasm that I want, but in these times with all the energy that's coming out uh my charge to everybody in Gainesville is let's participate in these events that are for us and because at the arts festival we could have a part of it where there's a seminar about business where there's symposiums about education it is a vehicle for us to do all of that for those two to three days but we need the community to just once we do it come to the festival see what we're doing it is for us it is for us and i hope that the recent energy that's been released can be channeled into that so we can do because we can have a whole 
situation at the arts festival addressing a lot of different things a lot of different things a lot of different things but just with the history of the festival i know it has started out very small and you i believe you were telling me at one time you guys were having two stages yeah for several years uh, we had two stages uh when we were we we had a stage at Sixth Street and um, Fifth Avenue, and then we had one down on Third Street and Fifth Avenue, uh, and they both were running all day, all day long. And oh, this is a uh, well. Okay, so first of all, the festival is supposed to be a vehicle to use to promote issues in our community that are of uh, importance to us. Okay. Uh, we have the music and we have the performances, but there's always a theme around the festival. We've had uh, workshops uh, on Saturday morning of the festival that have ranged all the way from uh, businesses in the black community to uh, when we were going through the crack academic really, really bad. We had uh, workshops on uh, drugs in our community. Uh, we've done uh, things about children, uh, our community, our children. Uh, See, so the festival, that's what it's supposed to be. Uh, that's what it should go on to be. I am, I was very, uh, I am very pleased to have you, uh, Courtney, working on the, the festival. When, when I started the, doing the festival, I was probably around your age, and I did it for 40 years. And it's uh, elders uh, are supposed to be able to step back and let the younger generation move forward, step up. Uh, that's what you're there for. You need uh, other people that will help you. I didn't do it by myself. There was always, you know, four, five, six people around me that was doing different things uh, with the festival. And that's what you need. You're gonna have to, uh, hopefully, through the podcast, through uh, connections, we will get you other people to help you to do, to build uh, the festival around what's important for you all. You know, so, um, I I have uh, I have great hope. You you're you're not just uh, a thinking brother and intelligent young brother, but you're artistic, and that's uh, with doing the festival. That's very uh, important. That's that's a a good one that you bring with you. So I I think giving it time. You know I didn't we didn't build up in one or two years. You know it, it took us a while. So. Uh, I think if the elders support you and what you need to do and you get some other young people to bring ideas and energy with you that um, that the festival will once again be what it's supposed to be, a vehicle for our community. That's the plan. That is the plan. And that is my hope. And I think that the community is is looking for a vehicle. And I think a lot of the people who are younger may not even remember what the festival was 
or maybe they weren't even around at its apex. But uh, we definitely know what it can be and what we're going to try to work to make it. Yes, yes. Well, all right. Uh, we're almost at an hour. So I want to also, um, if, there's a, if, if there's a person who's hearing this and they want to contribute to the Cultural Arts Coalition uh, and any of the programs that you're working on, how would they do that? Um, you can go to our website, culturalartscoalition.org, and you can um, make a donation from there. Uh, we're located at 321 Northwest 10th Street. That's in the Wilhelmina Johnson Center. You can bring donations there. You can mail donations there. Um, just let us know. Uh, you know, we're, we've been, uh, our organization is a small organization that has never had a whole bunch of money. Uh, and I have to say that right now, whereas uh, we still don't have a whole bunch of money, but we're holding on, we're doing our due. Uh, if people want to donate to the computers that we're trying to get to the kids, that'd be really, really, really good. We we got a uh, we found a really good deal online where we're buying um, Chrome uh, Chromebooks for uh, like right around a hundred dollars. So uh, we still have kids who need them. Uh, so if you want to make a donation for that, that's where, if you want to make a donation to Cultural Arts Coalition, that's where we will spend your money at right now. Uh, I'd like to also, before closing, um, with everything that's going on with, um, with the police, um, I want, it made me, it made me think about one of the horrible times that, that I had. Uh, and with Mr. Uh, Lloyd uh, asking for his mom as he was being killed, it reminded me um, the first time that I uh, traveled to Africa, uh, we were um, in the Gambia and we were having dinner and uh, back in that time, you know, they only had, uh, this is in the mid-90s, and they, you know, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. It was land phones, and we were having dinner, and um, someone came and got me and said that I had a phone call. And, uh, you know, freaked me out. You know, I'm in Africa. Who's going to call me? You know, it must be my family. Something's happening, and it was. It was my family. And I found out that uh, my son had been driving without license and the police uh, tried to stop him and he saw the car, got out, ran, and the police shot at him and, I, and, took him, and then took him to jail. And that was, you know, it was like that was the end of the fun for me on my trip and uh, my family got him out of jail, but when I got back, I was told that um, that it had happened over right off of Sixth and Fifth Avenue, where Dr. Cosby and Dr. Banks' office was, which was our black uh, dentist and uh, uh, general practitioner. 
and they told me that the dentist had uh, witnessed uh, what had happened with my son. So I called him, you know, thinking I was going to get some support from him. And uh, he, he, I didn't tell him that that was my son. I said that someone told me that he had witnessed uh, the police shooting at this, at this uh, black guy. And he said, yeah, that he didn't blame the police, that it was a big black guy. Oh, wow. And I'll always, I'll never for, forget, I'll never forget how I felt when I heard him say that. It sticks with me, you know. It was so. I know what it is for mom, for, for mother to worry about their son being black and in America. Uh, so, you stay safe, Courtney. Tell your son to be safe. It's not right to have to tell him or you all. Period. To to go through the things that you have to go through in order to just stay alive, it's not right. It's not right at all. It should be telling the, telling these murderers and these horrible, horrible people who have a badge on and feel like that gives them the right to treat people of color, men especially, but not limited to men and just do what they want to do, it's all right. They're justified in it. So I hope we'll work on that too. And thank you for the opportunity to talk to you this afternoon and your audience. I and love you black people. I love all people, but I'm especially lean towards black folks. <laughs> and we love you too. And we love you too. And I thank you for speaking on the show today. I thank you for your beautiful articulation of all the work you're doing and all the work you have done and all the work we need to do as the current people who are up to the plate. So I will end this episode charging everybody from my generation, the 80s babies, the 90s babies. I'm 37 years old, so I'm going to say this to myself. You have no excuse to sit idly by when you can do something. Just because you're okay doesn't mean everybody's okay. So get off your ass, kiddo. Bless. I'm thinking about the good old days. How quick they slip away. But I'ma be fine, I'ma be fine, I'ma be So I can't take it back Grateful I can lay these tracks Expressing all my thoughts and dreams Pull a magic trick And turn this to reality On top is what I gotta be 20 plus years still going Can't give it up The world trying to bring it down But I keep living up Counting all my blessings Trying not to ever stress So I keep verbal essence <laughs> It's like break up, roll Light up, toe Blow my problems in the smoke Out the window And watch it all fade behind me While I'm on to the next On, on to the next can't wait to see what I get Cause I was never promised anything I'll be happy to get anything But never settle just for anything I was destined for it anyway So I sing I got faded tattoos I got holes
I take a token of this reality Remember my brothers and sisters in the struggle Who fell but came a casualty Many abnormalities Breaking up and passing weed Sometimes we gotta get high To see catastrophes of day-to-day Lifetime meditate, write rhymes Like they told me in church Let your light shine In the darkness When we spark this Injecting love and compassion in the heartless The purpose of the people with the passion to be equal Gotta get it right the first time No sequel to prequel is what we living in right now And if you think and tell lies Look how we live right now Don't got no part to pissing But I'm feeling good right now And I put everything I love on my hood right now Cause we kings and queens Not niggas and bitches We bought love and respect Ain't bought cars and riches Sing the song I got faded I'ma be fine, I'ma be fine, I'ma be alright